The moment of truth has arrived again. Inflation data. Hot or not, recession or not, we'll get more information at 8.30. Ahead of that, we'll have our boy Blue talking about his thoughts. It have been very accurate on the inflation data. Not all good news out there. If you're a Citigroup owner, not good news. KB Holmes in the red after earnings and a downgrade. It's just me and AB today. I'll explain that in just a moment. It's Thursday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're starting the day out in the green by six and a half handles at 48.2675. Only one number matters on the upside, and that's the high of the move, 41.50. That was backed up by a double top. Current high, 48.38. The buck down 12 cents under 102, 101.96. Bonds up just over a half a point. 122 and 23 30 seconds crude having a good day up a buck 40 72 77 gold hanging in there up 1090 2038.30 silver in the green by almost 22 cents 2329 and bitcoin after the approval that's up $1180 at 47000 505, uh, not going to bring in Triple D, but I'm going to bring in AB. AB, good morning to you. Good morning, Joel. How are we doing on this Thursday morning? You know what's fun, Joel? What? When it's, you know, you wake up in the winter up here in Michigan, and it's cold, and it's dark, and then you get outside and you realize, holy cow, it snowed. Now I got to clean the snow off my car. That's what I had to do this morning, but... Uh, it did look very pretty, which is nice. At least there's always some some silver linings out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't have to get out there, it's not two inches, so the snowplows aren't coming. Uh, Triple D. Uh, I mean, I've talked to him over the years when he hasn't been feeling well, and he is really not feeling well. He made it through the show yesterday. He text texted me this morning. Little bit more than a headache. And you know, to miss a CPI number and to miss the show, he must really not be feeling well. In fact, I texted him back and asked him for his symptoms, and he didn't even text me back. So I think he maybe went right back to bed. But uh, we will plow through this with uh, AB here, and we'll get to it. We got a lot of news. I guess uh, let's get the Bitcoins out of the Bitcoin news out of the way here, trading up over a grand. Yeah, of course. So we talked about this yesterday. Was the sell the news? Was it going to be a sell the news? So far, that hasn't really been the case. Of course, we got this uh, yesterday afternoon that the SEC did finally approve 11 spot Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, you're going to see those coming from places like Fidelity, BlackRock, ARKK, and more. Uh, and then you've got some some other stocks moving on this news as well. 
Uh, Joel, you got Coinbase trading up more than 3% pre-market. And this one's been an absolute killer. Uh, I mean, up more than 200% in the last year. Still a ways away from those highs after the IPO, if you look at the, you know, weekly chart. But, hey, I mean, you can't can't really uh, knock it too much when it's been up 200% in the last year, uh, last year. And then you have Hood as well trading higher on the news. About the same, you know, a little less than 4%. So, definitely, you can see your clear market winners from this because those are going to be the places that people can go uh, and buy these ETFs. Well, Robinhood, at least. I don't know, actually, if you're going to be able to buy the ETFs themselves on Coinbase. I'm not. Uh, on that one uh interesting technicals here uh just i'm not going to go drill down on all of them uh for bitcoin here why not uh this is taking back well over the half of the move so i'm looking at the bitcoin futures here so i guess as long as we stay above 45k hey pa uh, path of least resistance is higher i uh, see a couple monthly highs over 50k um I have a theory of what this may do to the Bitcoin market in the long term, but I'm going to wait for Triple D because uh, he always uh, comes back with a good counter argument. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, just looking at this Coinbase chart, just off the top of my head here, I would have said, hey, if I saw this pop over 160 in the pre-market, after this decline, I'd be thinking, man, oh, man, that's not a bad level. You have backed off that level as we speak. Let's get the session here, the regular, the 24-hour session. Yeah, popped up over 162. What time was that? 163.79. So you have leaked seven bucks off that high. I'm still going to put a three-star here at the 160 level. You had three highs over the last week and a half. Let's just look at some of the other ones. Same kind of thing. Mara's recovered a little bit more, but uh, let's take a look at Riot. Nothing sticking out. Ooh, over 16 bucks. This is trading over 16 multiple highs here let's see if it can hold 16 bucks and uh pre-market high this is much closer to the pre-market high it's 16.65 yeah and you know dennis and i also talked about going back to bitcoin itself would this did we get a little bit of sneak peek into the action and we're again we're not really seeing that but i also wonder joel is is was maybe mo the majority of this pretty priced in because even though bitcoin's trading higher it didn't necessarily for, for bitcoin standards right bitcoin we've seen it have some very volatile moves for bitcoin standards didn't necessarily absolutely rip higher didn't go up another five percent didn't go up another ten percent it's up you know i guess in the last 24 hours a little bit less than two percent so i've i'd almost be worried if i was chasing bitcoin in the long side that that move has been kind of muted um but let, let's uh, uh, move on. We had a, a big headline come in less than half an hour ago. This was from Reuters that Hertz is looking to sell about a third of its fleet. Uh, I mean, I don't know too much about, you know, I guess Hertz is where Hertz stands in terms of its business model right now. But anytime you got a rental car company that's selling a third of its fleet, that doesn't sound like super <laughs> bullish news to me, Joel. Uh, do you know the, the the whole joke? Did you ever have any, uh, your dad or any old uncles or maybe a grandpa um, ever ask you if you, you ever had a Hertz donut? Yes. Yes, okay. I, I've, I've gotten that one before. 
<laughs> okay, all right, and I won't do it. Be kind of hard to do it virtually here. This is not a good sign for uh, for EVs. Uh, lack of demand, selling what I think twenty thousand. What do you look at here? I mean, you have the lows of the move. Uh, this really it did distance itself from the lows of the move. It kind of been ailed by the uh, by the Tesla decline as well. I'm looking in the lower eight dollar handle. You didn't quite get there yet. You got to 852. But as you can see on the dailies, that's where the big boys step up. So get around that $8 area. This is a big decline, especially since you were just near $11 at the end of the year. Uh, potential support here for Hertz. If you're looking at Hertz, what if you're a relationship trader? And I know this is EV related. What stock? Would you pull up next on your charts? I'd look at Tesla. Okay, yeah, I'd give you a, I'll give you a B minus on that. Okay, well, well a closer uh, correlation than Tesla. Hmm, to Hertz, you could do. Yes. We could do a uh, a CarMax maybe. Cars. Uh, I'm gonna go with car. Car. I'm gonna go, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a Avis Budget. And uh, this is trading down a buck eighty-two. I don't think they got in the whole EV melee. Uh, but you know, if you're a relationship-based trader, bad news on Hertz will uh, parlay into car uh, lows in the move here. This is in a little bit. Uh, still has pretty good support at the one sixty-four area, a rocket resistance. If you see this thing anywhere near. Uh, 171. You got a triple top up there, just under one 171. So this is taking a look. Carmax, don't they? They sell cars more, don't they? They're more of a more of a dealer. So I that's why I went. I went yeah. with the yeah. I went with the car instead of the uh, the Tesla. But let's get the bad news out of the way. We got we got some other bad news. We got some bad news in the banking sector. Hit me with that. Uh, uh, Citigroup. We, oh yeah, Citigroup. So, uh, Citigroup had some fines that they originally disclosed, but then it came out this morning uh, that the fines are going to be bigger than they initially uh, said that said that they were going to be. It's going to be um, billions in one-time charges, uh, and this is coming ahead of their earnings report. So, Citigroup. I mean, I mean, give me the technicals on this, Joel. How is it trading this morning off it's this down. news? Yeah, it's down 167. You had a big spike down when the news came out. They're going to report 780 million in restructuring charges, a 1.3 billion reserve build on currencies in Q4. I mean, you know, a couple downgrades too to kick a. Uh, well, actually, that that was yesterday that you got the one downgrade in the morning. What a heads up there by BMO, and then another downgrade. I believe they came close at the close. Uh, you're way off the pre-market low, pre-market or after hours low. Came in at 51.49, so you got a nice bounce off that thick stock. 108,000 shares have traded on the dailies. Nothing really at that 51.40 area, but if you're looking for a little bit more of a decline, there is. Well, there's a trio of lows. Let's call those at 5130. The fact that you're a buck away, you've had the dip and the buyback. Not sure we're going to get back down there today, especially if we have a good day in the market. 
Uh, resistance sets up pretty easily here. 52.61. That's the mark for you Citigroup trader, or that's the bottom of yesterday's range. We'll use, we'll use 52.61 up to that mark at 53.02 as potential resistance here for Citigroup. Uh, more bad news on the earnings front. Um, here, sorry. Uh, sorry, Joel, I got on, uh, on the earnings front. Wait, wait, sorry, which company are you talking about, Joel? KBH. Oh, KBH, of course. Yeah, so we had KBH on the on the home builders front this morning. Bad earnings stock is trading down uh, 3%. This comes yesterday, of course, after we discussed Lennar. And uh, we do have that IPO coming yes, uh, that I talked about yesterday, the, the um, Smith-Douglas Homes coming in, the first big IPO of 2024. Uh, but yeah, going back to KBH, uh, stock trading down more than 3% this morning. Are people not building homes right now, Joel? What's going on? Uh, well, we'll see what, you know, the whole interest rates. Um, you know, it's just had a big run um, into the report. Made a new all-time high yesterday. So they really had to blow things away and really be impressive. That didn't happen. So you get a little bit of selling uh, into the news here. Down a buck fifty-four uh, on the initial spike down here. They did get it near the sixty-dollar level. Parallels right at sixty. Uh, Pre-market low sixty twelve. You're a buck forty off that. So I think it's going to be tough to get back down to that area. Um, you're not even under as we speak right now. Um, let's see what was yesterday's low. Yesterday's low was 62.45 so you do have some work to uh fill the gap in there uh but as long as you can hold the pre-market low the 60 dollar area has a couple two lows in that area we'll look for that um in support in the regular session and i just wanted to touch on lenar yesterday uh we talked about the raised dividend and the buyback at these elevated levels nothing between 150 and 155 you never got a shot to buy it at the former resistance, but you got darn close to that all-time high. All-time high, 156.01. You got close to that area, 155.40. So potential resistance, 155 to 166 in Lennar. And the fact if you rally, if you want to be patient, wait for a gap fill from a couple days ago. Uh, that would take you down to 149.19. Got it. And then, you know, it seems like we've just had a bunch of bearish headlines this morning, Joel, uh, from all over. And, and we had more layoffs announced yesterday and overnight in the big tech space. Amazon laying off more than a thousand jobs between its Twitch and uh, Prime Video departments. And then Google also announcing more layoffs. Uh, and what's I mean, look, we, we've gotten we've seen this story now a couple times in the last few weeks where companies are announcing layoffs and then the market is saying, just shrugging them off. We don't really care. Uh, Google trading higher this morning. Amazon still edged higher uh, yesterday and trading up this morning. So, uh, I mean, have you seen this before, Joel, where companies are announcing layoffs and then the stocks are, are actually trading higher? Uh, it's just kind of the mood of the market, right? You know, bad news is good news and good news is good news here. Uh, these stocks have been strong. Uh, Google just are reaching back right near uh, all-time highs, trading up in the pre-market. New high of the move yesterday. So are we trading above that? Uh, right there. If you're trading the Googster today, of course, 
Things can really change here at 8.30. Uh, but the high of the move yesterday, 144.53. You're bumping up right against that uh, in the, at the opening here. That was also the area of last, mo- uh, last month's high at 143.95. Uh, let's look at Amazon technically here, trading up a buck 42. Ooh, that 155 area looms large. The recent high of the move that was actually made in mid December. That comes in at 155.63. So if you thought you missed your target there, you get another shot. Uh, perhaps in today's session, have not reached it yet in pre market trading. There we go. So, uh, Joel, we haven't even mentioned at 8.30 this morning, we will get December CPI data. That is going to be the big news of the day as we head into the market. I know things are really never that simple on Wall Street. And, you know, it, 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 people want to make things, but I think sometimes people want to make things more complicated than they are. I think if this number's cool or in line with expected, we hit new all-time highs today or tomorrow. If we don't, we could be going back down in this level access or resistance. So, uh, who do we have coming on today to talk about inflation with us? Wow, we have our our boy Blue Blue Putnam, uh, formerly uh, chief economist at the CMA. He's been following uh, the inflation data with us over the last couple of years. Blue has been uh, spot on. Do we have Blue? We'll change it from the green room to the blue room uh, for Blue. So uh, do you? Let, let's bring him on and uh, get his perspectives. We're going to keep Blue on through this 830 number here and uh, see if we get some excitement. Uh, let's bring on Blue Putnam. Let's do it. Good morning, Blue. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well today. Good day. Good day. Good day here um, in the markets. Uh we're trading up here. Uh, so far, I mean, you can criticize uh, Mr. Mr. Powell um, in the Fed, but uh, how many months in a row have we been getting the CPI data to go our way? Yeah, it's, well, you know, it peaked in June of 2022, uh, and we've had pretty comfortable numbers in the last three, four, five months. Uh, you know, they're still not all the way to the Fed's uh, target for their PCE core, but uh, they're they're getting awfully close. All right, let me uh, just real quick, and uh, you know, you hear these debates going back and forth about the integrity of the CPI data, what they put in, what they take out, how they, you know, putting lipstick on the pig here. I, <laughs> is that is that a correct, uh, um, you know? description of what the fed does and uh i know we've discussed this before but uh mike mike in the chat i believe mike w uh mentioned it talk about the integrity of the cpi data well the uh the folks that collect the data which is not the fed uh but they do a great job on collecting the data and putting it together but the thing is that we have five six seven different measures of inflation and uh you know the fed does like to look at the personal consumption expenditure price index or deflator as they call it. And they look at the core, which takes out food and energy. Food and energy are, uh, you know, they're a little more volatile and the Fed doesn't want to get a head fake, but it really doesn't make any difference. The, the core and the headline are going to tell you the same story. 
whether the, the inflation rate's coming down or not coming down. Uh, the rest of us, and like at 8.30, we're going to look at the headline consumer price inflation. Now, it does have some problems. Um, I don't know if you call it integrity. The, they, they collect the data the way they say they're going to collect it, but uh, interpretation-wise, it's challenged. Uh, and the big challenge is shelter. 25% of the headline CPI comes from owner equivalent rent. That's in the shelter section. And that just means that you rent your house to yourself. You collect the money. The statistical people put that money in your account, even though you don't have it. Uh, they count it as personal income. And, uh, and that's 25%. And it's seriously lagged. And of course, it's, it's a very much an imaginary number. Now, you can find out exactly how they calculate it on the on the website, BLS website, but it's, it's uh, so that's the problem. And if you take the, um, the owner equivalent rent out, that'll, you'll still have some shelter in there. You'll have 7% of that index still belongs to real rent of what people actually pay every month. Um, but if you take those out, we've been under a 2% inflation rate for four or five months. I mean, we're, we're, we're already at the Fed's target by that measure. The core PCE is getting pretty close to the Fed's target, and uh, we'll get that data at the end of the month, and it'll be within spitting distance at 2%. So as far as I'm concerned, the uh, the data, the guys that collect the data, they do a great job, but the interpretation uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. We're not, we're not looking for a market call here, but um, do, do you think that the CPI, a bullish CPI number, might be already baked into this market. I mean, you talk about, you know, buy the rumors, sell the news. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Do you think the street has got a little ahead of itself? It did about a month ago, but we brought that back. Um, so you've got the, uh, so, so the bond market is, is pretty much, I think, uh, you know, and, and the Fed might lower rates in March, uh, maybe May, you know, something like that. Uh, and that's probably as good a guess as any. So I don't think the bond market uh, is ahead of itself. The stock market's done exceptionally well. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I had a first couple of bad days at the start of the year and it's come back. Uh, and the stock market is thinking not just about when the Fed cuts rates, but whether or not we even slow down this year. I mean, we've been debating soft landing versus recession. Now we're going to debate soft landing versus uh, keep flying. Uh, hey, Blue, how's it going? Uh, Aaron Bree here. I don't think I've been on the show with you yet, but it's great to have you on, especially on a day like today. Uh, you mentioned the, the soft landing there. When when will we you know know if we have the soft landing? I mean, the Fed's already brought now inflation down from you know our forty year year highs near ten percent down to two you know around two percent, and the market hasn't really crashed at all. Unemployment hasn't really gone anywhere. Could you make an argument that we've already had a soft landing? Well, we're going to post GDP growth between two and a half and three percent for twenty twenty three when that number comes out. The fourth quarter, the third quarter was, uh, you know, close to five. Uh, the third quarter looks more like two. I mean, the fourth quarter looks more like two and a half. <laughs> I wouldn't call that a soft landing. I would say that that is either average to slightly above potential GDP growth. And so when will we know? Well, what happens is people keep spending money as long as they have a job. 
or if, but if their neighbor loses their job, they get a little nervous. And if some family member loses their job, they get more nervous. And if they lose their job, they panic. Okay. So, but nobody's losing their jobs, right? Well, you know, a few people are, but they're getting, they're getting new jobs fairly quickly. And we're, cre we're still creating a lot of jobs every month. So there is no sign of us deviating from potential trend. Forget soft landing. Um, you know, a recession means you have negative GDP. A soft landing, I think, is somewhere between zero and one percent or something. It stays positive, but it clearly slows down. Uh, we're not doing that. We, we are running in on a, a potential trend here of two to two and a half percent GDP. That's the U.S. economy. And um, there's no sign of it. Um, what could cause it? Well, higher rates don't cause recessions. Higher rates trigger problems that cause recessions. So it's a little subtlety there. But, you know, back last year in March, we got the uh, regional bank crisis with Silicon Valley Bank. And then that could have caused a recession. But the, uh, you know, the regulators uh, pumped the money in, put firewalls around it, and we didn't have that problem. Uh, go back to the, the last recession before that was the pandemic, had nothing to do with interest rates. Go back before that, and uh, you got the mortgage, uh, subprime mortgage crisis, which did have to do with interest rates, but it also had to do with really poor regulation of the banking system and, uh, and an inability to, to put a firewall around that quickly. And then the really messed up bankruptcy of Lehman. A lot of own goals on that one, not just interest rates. Right. All right. Let's go back one more. You know, we raised interest rates 1999, 2000, but we had a tech wreck on Wall Street and we had 9-11 and we had a very mild recession before we came out of it. So I don't think interest rates, there's a lot of focus on interest rates causing recessions, but interest rates have to trigger something that then causes it. So, you know, subprime or, uh, or back in the SNL days of 1990, you know, something like that, that's fine. But we don't have a cause out there. We've gone through the labor market situation. The unions are got settlements. It's okay. Why would the Fed? I mean, why why would the Fed want to keep rates above the current inflation rate uh, going forward? I mean, I understand that there's still some uh, some people think there's still too much money in the market and that it, it's it's going too fast still, and they want to cool it down a little bit. But say inflation is right around that two percent. Uh, target rate, why keep rates at, say, 4% or higher uh, like the dot plot currently shows? Okay, there's a couple of things in your question, but the, the general consensus is that maybe putting rates at zero and keeping them there for a decade wasn't the brightest move, okay? Because we didn't get extra growth in the economy. I mean, it really helped the equity market. It helped the bond market, but it didn't really help the economy. And we didn't get the, uh, the inflation until... Uh, we had that $5 trillion of fiscal stimulus during the pandemic, and then, and then they raised rates you know, afterwards and so forth. So that's one issue. The second issue is the Fed has a credibility problem. Uh, and you know they spent a long time telling us that this, the, the inflation was transitory. And by the way, in 2030, when you look back on the chart, it's going to look transitory. It's just that it took three years, <laughs> you know, and the Fed was talking months. Uh, so they got their units wrong. Uh, and then the Fed, uh, you know, raised rates and said, we're going to keep them higher longer. Well, that's what they've been saying for a year uh, since really, uh, you know, so they don't want to uh, unwind that, that credibility, that guidance so quickly. But the general consensus is that the, the 
Fed funds could be about a percent, percent and a half above the core inflation rate. So, you know, three and a half would be uh, would be a perfectly fine number in this environment. The real question is, how can the Fed get there and be comfortable with its credibility? All right. We are coming up in that number here, at least according a little bit over 30 seconds. I believe we're looking for 3.2% street leaning a little bit long here into this uh, much anticipated report uh, up nine and a half handles pre-market high 48.38. The reason we like that number is because it's just below the high of the move at 48.41.50. That was backed up with a double Globex high on the downside. Did spend much time in the red here. Our closing price to, uh, from yesterday, 48.20 and a quarter. Pre-market low, 40.18. We had a pop and a drop. Aaron, you let me know when you get your number. I have a feeling this might be coming in a little bit on the hot side. S&Ps went red momentarily to 1350. We are looking at the December CPI data. What do you have? We got 3.4% versus 3.2% year-over-year CPI. Uh, The last month was 3.1%, so you see a three-tenths increase there. And then the uh, core CPI month-over-month did come in line with the three-tenths of a percent estimate. Uh, initial jobless claims come in at two, uh, 202,000 versus 210, but no one cares about that on a morning like this. We're talking about CPI, uh, core CPI year over year came in at 3.9% expected versus 3.8% expected. So Joel, this is what I was telling you. I was worried about this morning when we talked before the show, <laughs> I know, I was worried I know. about We're, a slightly hot. We'll talk about that after blue gets off here. Okay. We should have <laughs> talked about that at the, at the top of the show, but, uh, blue, I know you're, uh, you're, uh, crunching the numbers here on your excel spreadsheet i mean come on i mean we had good numbers for so many months in a row is this just a little hiccup or yeah i think this is a hiccup but it is a hot number um but you got to realize you know when you're talking 0.2 a month or 0.3 a month those are rounded numbers you know i mean uh, and they're really small differences i gotta tell you as an economist, we are not remotely that good to get it within a tenth over the, you know, there's going to be a little volatility here. So I'm going to count this one as a one-off in the uh, in the up direction. So it is a little hot. And, uh, you know, that certainly takes uh, January off the table for the Fed. Um, it's, it, March and May are still on the table, but probably the market will think more about May than March with this number. But, you know, at the end of the month, we get the core PCE. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a little better number. It might be slightly hot too, but a, but it's a lower number on the core. So I'm I'm still in the camp that inflation is well under control. Okay, uh, the market. I mean, also you know we talk about you know sell the news, and I think Mike W or someone in the chat you know mentioned that the street you know maybe had uh, factored this number in, but you know what? I mean, it just. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? I mean, there's going to be, you have that many months of good numbers. Uh, so just go through PPI. Does that mean anything to you or is this the main number? No, the PPI doesn't mean much to me. Uh, <clears throat> you know, services dominate the economy. So it's two thirds of the economy. The goods side, both the discretionary goods, durable goods, all those things, there's no inflation in the goods side of the economy. So that's 
it's so we're really just trying to figure out what's going on with services. And we know the, the rent and the shelter component are very much lagged and are, are keeping us too high, um, you know, above what the number probably really is. But the, uh, the rest of the, uh, the services, you know, they're partly dependent on wage growth and they're partly dependent on how well the economy's doing and it's doing fine. Uh, so, you know, there might be a little sluggishness in how the, the parts of the services come down. And we've a number of us have talked about that. So that's not unexpected. But we're not talking about going back up on inflation. We're just dealing with month to month volatility here. So, Blue, we talked about how, you know, how the uh, you know Fed actually calculates this data or the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates the CPI and how it may not be perfect. What alternatives do you look at? I mean, do you look at like true inflation's rate? Because they show a completely different, I mean, way closer to 2%. Uh, you know, we know the rent is lagging 12 months. Uh, what alternatives do you look to besides C the CPI data? I don't really look at very many alternatives. I think to understand sentiment, all you have to do is fill your car up with gas. <laughs> and uh, if that if, uh, if the number that goes into your tank surprises you on the upside, you get worried about inflation. Uh, the next thing that most people look at is they go to the grocery store. And uh, if, the, if, their, if their weekly grocery bill starts going up, then they, then they get worried. <laughs> so you don't really have to be uh, look at some other index. You can pretty much find it out yourself just in your daily life paying attention. Uh, you know, so the, I think that we get, you know, we already have seven or eight different numbers here, you know, and we're playing around with them. But they're, they're, they're all have come down sharply since middle, you know, since the mid 2022. Sorry. Uh, and we're if we may, maybe we're not at the Fed's target, but we're sure close. What if you only fill your car up about once every two, three weeks and you really don't look at your grocery bill? What do you look at? Uh, then you're a millionaire billionaire and, uh, and you call your financial advisor and see how your portfolio is doing. <laughs> okay. We've been on the line with Blue Putnam. He is the former chief economist at the CME. He has been guiding us through this inflation data for the last couple of years and doing one heck of a job of it. So Blue, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show, and you know when you'll be getting another email from me to uh, get you back on the show. Blue Putnam, thanks for joining That's good. Us. Thank you. Thank you, Blue. Uh, all right, Joel. Well, yeah, I mean, like like Blue said, I mean, the gas prices are way down. I pulled up from uh, AAA here. You can see the national average is now pretty much right at $3 a gallon, $3.07. A year ago, it was three and a quarter. So it is kind of surprising to me, I guess, you know, there's a lot of things that go into the CPI that Blue talked about, but uh, that is surprising to me to see that number come in still so, you know, much higher than expected. I mean, the market doesn't really seem to be minding it too badly no, right now, Joe. No, no. I mean, if you, you know, if you take off the, you know, rate, uh, you know, goggles, the inflation goggles, or, you know, what's the Fed going to do next year? You can't ignore the fact that there is a buy the dip mentality in this market that just won't stop. And you did got us a point where we were down almost 20 handles on the day, got to close to that psychological 4,800 level. The only thing that was in there and you had to be cat quick to catch it, there was a pair of highs 
um, in the market. I believe, what's today? Thursday. I was out Monday and Tuesday. From Monday and Tuesday at the 48.04 uh, uh, level, that turned out to be good support. But I think if you want to look at like a key level for the day, I think we need to look at our upper right chart. And our upper right chart tells us that you had two highs uh, back at the end of the year. This is basis the March contract, uh, 48.41.50 and then 48.41. So they are your two highs for the move, a double top. And then uh, today's high, of course, 48.38. So if you, you know, if you want to try, someone asked about this, you know, calling a triple top or double top. I mean, it, it you could use it as resistance, but you have to look both ways if it goes through uh, that number. And right now you do have some good resistance uh, forming in the market. Uh, let's go. Let's just go to quick, uh, you know, quick, perhaps learning segment here. Uh, we talked about this on the pre pre market show. Let's talk about uh, what you did in Apple and some uh, and what you're looking at today. Yeah. So as as some of you guys know, if you've you know watched Benzing Alive and stuff, sometimes I like to play a little options trades just for fun, mostly uh, try to make a few extra bucks here and there. But yesterday, Apple was getting kind of beat up. Got its uh, third downgrade of the of the week. You know, it's just been getting crushed compared to the overall tech market. Um, and yesterday afternoon I was watching it and thinking, oh, I think Apple, you know, if, if the rest of tech keeps trading higher the rest of the week, right? If the sentiment is, Hey, we're bullish tech, uh, from the overall market, I figured Apple's got to catch a bounce at some point. So nothing really on the technical side made me do it right this time. But yesterday around, you know, 1 PM, 2 PM, I bought some Apple calls that expire tomorrow, January 12th. These were the 187 and a half calls. Um, and let me pull up the exact order. I bought them for, let's see, average cost was 27 cents. Uh, and then they closed yesterday trading at 68 cents. So I was up more than 100%. But because of my PDT <laughs> rules, because I don't have $25,000 in my account and Wall Street hates the little guy, uh, I could not sell my contracts yesterday. So I had to hold them into today, which of course I didn't even really... You know, I mean, you know, I knew it was CPI, but I wasn't really thinking about that when I bought them. So uh, I was I was complaining to Joel that I was like, man, I made this great trade yesterday. But now I'm just, you know, up to the to the gods of Wall Street, you know, what with this number. And, uh, you know, Apple is still, I guess, hanging out kind of down, what, four four hundredths of a percent right now. Um, but, Joel, you gave me a suggestion this morning yep. on how I could have hedged against it. I didn't, yep. you know, fully, I, I got what you were saying, but I didn't necessarily maybe fully understand it. Sometimes I need a couple times. So can you, okay. please, can you please explain it to me again? Okay. So, well, first of all, you know, with the weeklies that you're just paying up, right? You're paying all that time premium. So even with Apple, let's say even if it was up like 30, 40 cents today, just the time value of money. Also, right. options are kind of messed up this week because of, uh, no, this was not a four-day week. It was a three-day week for me. That even if Apple was up like a half a point, you still, you still would be losing money. So, Jay, Jay is right on it. I said, did you look at the 190 calls? Because if, if anything, you could have turned it into a spread. You sell the strike above. So now you are not working in against the option gods. You are working with them. So you chances are, even while well, it's down 14 cents now, but chances are 
if you know the the loss that you would be taking on your 187 and a half would have been offset by the gain that you were getting in the 190. Now you said you weren't sure if uh, Robin Hood was uh, uh, allowed you to do that. I mean, it's a covered position. I mean, the negative to this is that you would be locking in your gain at two dollars and fifty cents, which would have been what a ten bagger for you. Right, because if it settled above 190 or 191, there there was you know there was some risk to it, but you could have locked in. Now down 20 cents, man, those 187 and a half are gonna get what? I know. I wonder if they're I wonder if they're even gonna be at my price that I paid for them yesterday. We'll see when the when the market opens here in about uh 49 minutes, but. Uh, yeah, the other, the, my, my, I guess my flip side to that, Joel, the reason why maybe I, 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 that, that would make sense. And I would do that if I was trading with like a lot of volume and it was a big trade for me. Uh Um, but because I kind of just treat this as like a little, you know, almost a a, a bet, I'll call it, you know, just a couple of day bet. I, I know when I buy an option contract that expires in two days. Chances are, you know, good chance that I was gonna, it's going to expire worthless in the first place. I'm trying, you know, I, I, I wanted to, if I do that, then I'm, I'm limiting my gains, correct? So I'd, I'd almost rather just, just roll the dice with it. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been two fifty, you know. I mean, if you would have, you know, that's, that's where your gain, you know, would have been locked in between the one eighty seven and a half and the one ninety. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and um. I would definitely check that out, though, because if you're going to be playing with those weeklies like that, you got to be able. I mean, so let's say you had you had 10 contracts. You know, could you have done it on half of the position? Yeah. You know, that's locked a great, in profit that's, on yeah. five. I mean, you know, it's always easier to see, you know, after the fact and after the CPI data. But what you can't deny is that the options, especially those weekly options, the decay in those things, you know, overnight is is on you know it's it's just really uh something you have to take into consideration and the other thing i asked you is why did apple go down in the first place why did it come off that nearly 200 dollars level where i would have cashed my bet out with dennis down to 180 what yeah, was the catalyst came off a couple downgrades uh barclays was that was the primary one that really started driving it lower and the downgrade was based on uh, weak iPhone sales or concerns about weak iPhone sales coming forward. I mean, I like. I feel like we go through these cycles with Apple all the time, Joel, where people are like, oh, yeah. people aren't buying as many iPhones. And the next thing you know, oh, the iPhone numbers were great. And then uh, any dip in Apple has been a buying opportunity for the past 20 years. I don't know why this time would be any different when it went down from 200 to 180 or whatever. It's getting ready to release this new uh the new vr ar thing in, in, a, in next month in february and it's going for like twenty five hundred dollars i don't know about this i'm not saying this is like a, a for sure home run thing but the one thing i'll say about apple and its track record is don't bet against it when it puts out these new products because even if leading up to this you hear about oh it's way too expensive no one's gonna buy this apple's just got a way of doing this joel where next thing you know it's like the biggest thing in the world and everyone needs one so uh definitely some potential catalysts coming up for for apple but you can tell that people are a little bit more uncertain about it for the first time in many years would you be taking a stab at it down here like i did yesterday uh boy oh boy um 
I just when I go every time I go out to an Apple store, I actually my my phone died. I mean, they they have the moat, right? And also, I was like at the airport and flying. Everyone has an iPhone. I mean, can they? You know, everyone's waiting for the new shiny next thing. Now, when we had G Munster on, what's it? Apple Vision Goggle Pro or something like that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, was to he, me, with the gene? Would, with the gene? Was Gene bullish on it? Gene's always. I know bullish he loves. He loves Apple. Yes, loves Apple. yes. But if know, he's ever I, not bullish on Apple, that's when I'll sell all my all my Apple holdings. Make sure. I'll, just <laughs> let me know if ever you know Gene is 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 bearish on Apple or is not. Even if he's not bearish, if he's just not you know super bull on it anymore, uh, then then let me know because that's when I'd want to sell. We also, speaking of of analysts, I mean, this was all because of a, a Barclays downgrade. We had a downgrade from Goldman Sachs today uh, in Lyft, ticker LYFT. Uh, I've got a question for you on this, Joel, uh, because Goldman downgraded Lyft to neutral from a buy, but it raised its price target. Oh, I hate that. From 12 to 15. So walk me through why <laughs> banks would do this. Why would you raise the price target? Which $3 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a $12 stock, I mean, that's that's a quarter of a stock. It's a 25% price increase from 12 to 15. But then you're going to tell me you're downgrading it at the same time. Come on, I'm getting some mixed signals here. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, man, I, I hate when that happens. Well, the reason they lifted it to 12 to 15 is because it got way over 12, right? And it went went past 15, uh, actual high of the move here, uh, came in at uh, 1595. So they just, you know, they're, they're playing catch up, right? They were a little bit low with that price target. So they downgrade it and they say, well, the other, my question is, is like, well, it already hit 15. So is it not going back to 15 because you downgraded it and I should sell it at 13? So it, it's, you know, it's very hard to interpret, um, you know, these analyst ratings. The way you look at it from a shorter term perspective is, you know, what happens off the open? Are people going to look at this downgrade and say, man, I, you know, I got jammed in my short between 12 and 16 double bottom, just under 13 bucks at the 1280 level. Didn't quite get there in the pre-market. They're going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to lighten up or, you know, or, or get long. Maybe you want to get long the stock. So I love that level right there. I'd say I'd be shrugging it off. And um, as long as it holds the parallels, 1277 and 1279, as long as it holds that area, I think, uh, the bulls are still in minor control here of left. Coming back on the upside, yesterday's close, 1334. If you're looking to get up, get out at the mark. And then you got to be respective of um, uh, 1373. Uh, that is the pair of highs from Monday and Tuesday. But right now, with the down market, with it trading in the red, I think you want to see it uh, bounce off that 1280 level. I wanted to look at Uber, and oh boy, do I have a Uber nightmare from uh, uh, from the um, oh boy. the national championship <laughs> game. Holy, did you know that there was uh, uh, tornadoes? Uh, tornado. I've heard a watch. I've heard a warning, but there was like a torrential downpour 
Uh, well, only because you mentioned it yesterday. I actually yeah. didn't hear anything about it during the broadcast or, or on Twitter or anything. But yeah. I guess if there's ever a big storm like that, a big stadium is probably one of your safest bets, right? Or, or not one of your safest or bets. The wor- really? Uh, well, if, like, I don't know. What do they, if you evacuate, I, I don't know where uh, I guess. But I mean, remember during the Katrina, they used the Superdome as like a show. I guess that was more to house, house people yeah. after the storm, yeah. not during it. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. That you but don't we wanna... were, we we were scrambling to get back. You know, get back to this area from where we started, and it was muddy, and we're going. And Lisa was like, "Oh, I got an, I got an Uber. I got the guy's name." And and I'm like, "Okay, well, let's go up this muddy hill." And uh, her and my uh, sister didn't want to do it. And I kept on going because I thought I could cut through. Well, that was a bad mistake. We ended up waiting probably 45 minutes to an hour. And they we kept on getting the Ubers. And then they kept on canceling. And I think maybe I'll upgrade Lyft. Maybe Lyft isn't as busy. But uh, we finally we finally got a, a, uh, a driver. Um, out of that, I'm gonna. I just wanted to, the reason I wanted to mention that is because I want to look at this Uber chart uh, because uh, we talked about monthly resistance in this thing, and the all-time high made in the good old days uh, back in February of 2001, we got the 6405, and last month we got close to that area. It's 6353. So far this month, you haven't. You haven't gotten there yet. Only 62.61. So I don't know. I don't know if you're going to develop this technical formation here where you had uh, in 2021 where you made the new all-time high, uh, but we're unable to hold 60 in the next two months. And that's just a nice round number. So if you, you know, if this has been a long-term or even a short-term investment since the end of October, this thing has went from 40 bucks to 60 over 62. So if you're looking to hold a, you know, some profits, I think a little bit, this would be market dependent. Let's hold, let's hold this $60 area. In fact, you're way off yesterday's low yesterday, low at 60, 28. Then the last number I'll give you on Uber is the closing high for the move. Not sure if it's an old time closing high, but the closing high for the move 63, 28, that has not come into play since that same day on December 27th. And we had other uh, analyst moves to th- this morning as well. Uh, Salesforce ticker CRM Baird got an upgrade from Baird with a price target raised to $300 from $240. So that's a pretty significant uh, price target raise there from Baird for, uh, for CRM. Uh, I mean, this thing has been on an absolute uh, tear really recently. Well, I guess over the last six months, up 20% um, trading with, you know, I guess the overall big tech market. But Salesforce, I I mean, this thing's an absolute monster, $260 uh, billion company. I think if you're, I think if you're, if you like big tech right now, Salesforce could be one of those that hasn't really, you know, it's not at all time highs like NVIDIA and some other ones are, but it's near there. So um, what do you see in technicals on, on Salesforce here, Joel? Okay. So, um, so there's a couple things here when I get it, you know, when you get an upgrade, uh, in a stock and, you know, you want to look at the price action so far, the immediate price, uh, reaction has been up to the upside here. You're trading up $3 and 37 cents. Not sure what the beta is on this stock, but you know, with a, with a down market here, 
You know, I'm not out there 267.50 bid looking for this thing to go to the move. And instead, I would take a look at the pre-market high. The pre-market high comes in at 268.50 after do I have the 24-hour chart up here? Yes, I do. So then what I would do is I would progress over here to the dailies and I would say, hey, what's been the recent high of the move? The recent high of the move, 268.36. The high after that day was 268.15. So you got some nice confluence here between the pre-market high and the highs of the move, the daily highs. So I would act as that is resistance. Of course, if you bust through that, you know, you have some open terrain. But with the down market, S&Ps did get a nice rally off that uh, 48.0250. Uh, but we just ran into a stumbling block. Yeah, so closing price so joel i'm curious on a day like today with the overall market with the s with the spy when you have you know an, an anticipated event like this there's probably a lot of people you know options trading it playing it on either side and like we talked about with the time decay of my apple options if you're long uh you know spy in, into the uh open today on some calls or whatever chances are those are going to open way down Mm -hmm. Or if you're short, or if you have puts, so what? What do you? What happens with the traders when the market opens like this, where you might have shorts covering their shorts because the market went down, but not down enough to really put them in the money? Or you have people that are long, uh, you know, that might be trying to sell their calls. Like, what do you think happens when you have a big anticipated move, and then that move doesn't come to either side? Uh well, right now it's been resolved to the downside. Uh, or right now here at 8.54, 35 more minutes before the liquidity comes in. So, um, and I, you know, the option saying is, is much different. So uh, my comment, well, I'm going to make it in comparison uh, to the stocks here. And I'll, I'll just use your example here of Apple, right? Your mark from yesterday, you're down 34 cents. So I'd just be looking at that mark. Uh, 86.19. That was also yesterday's high, right near yesterday's high at 86.40. So I would late, you know, sometimes you get some sympathetic bounces like off a, a down open. And this is really not that, I mean, you know, considering how much this market has rallied, this is just a little sliver on a decline. So I'd be looking, I'd be, I'd be looking for this thing. If this thing doesn't get unchanged, in a hurry, I think you're going to be selling in the weakness instead of strength. Um, you know, for the people with the puts, I mean, there's not, or people that have shorted this thing, <laughs> there, there's not too many people that are that are in the money on this or or anticipating, um, you know. The people uh, selling, the people selling are in the money on it, selling the option. Uh, well, I mean, come on, you're, I mean, we got to keep everything in perspective here from the SPY. I mean, you're not, I mean, if you've been buying, let's say, even since late uh, 2023, you're still smartly in the money. You're not panicking. But what I think, if anything, what the number is done now, what I've seen from the pre-market action, it doesn't think, you know, that there's a triple top up there in the S&Ps. Yes, uh, the spies are probably pretty close to that. I, think, I don't think people are going to be panicking just selling into a down market. But I think people right now, the complexion of the market is telling me people are going to be selling into strength. 
And as far as buying in the weakness, I mean, there's not much weakness out here. I mean, we are still in, you know, whatever you look at, the S&Ps, the triple Qs, whatever you look at, I mean, we're, we're still, you know, pretty close to all-time highs. And uh, many of the, well, the Qs did make a new all-time high. I believe Q's bumping up against some monthly resistance as well. I haven't looked at the IWM since I've been back. That has had a nice haircut. That has pulled back here. Where do you find support on the monthly? I think right now at this point, what the market is telling you is that it's easier to identify resistance than where to just step in and buy the dip. Yeah, and if you were short going into this and you're wondering, saying, what the heck, you know, CPI came in hot, inflation's higher, the Fed's not going to be able to cut, why isn't the market down? Well, you know, we, we like like you said, Joel, there's clearly the demand for people to buy the dip. And there's always on the on the macro side, the other side of the coin. So you you have inflation tick higher, but that also means that the economy hasn't slowed down at all. So it hasn't slowed down. So people that have been talking about a recession coming because interest rates are higher, clearly that hasn't happened. So you can say, okay, oh my God, inflation went back up. But then I would say, okay, but that means, you know, people were spending money last month. That's great news. Let's go. So either way you want to look at it, I think people can spin it to where they're still long and buying stocks. And that's kind of just the type of market we're in. Uh, Joel, before we wrap up today, I don't know if you saw this. I'm going to guess no, but this was a, a more of just a kind of funny thing that happened on Reddit. And this maybe is why we shouldn't go to Reddit for investing uh, or stock picks. Um, and, and here, I'll pull it up here in a sure. sec. But it's a post on Wall Street Bets. And this guy asks, uh, and, and you can pull up Boeing's chart. It has to do with Boeing, ticker BA. We talked about Boeing, you know, okay. yesterday. Uh, he said, is it insider trading if I bought Boeing puts while I am inside the wrecked airplane. Purely hypothetical. Imagine sitting inside an airplane when suddenly the door blows out. Now, while everyone is screaming and grasping for air, instead you turn on your noise-canceling headphones to ignore that crying baby, open your Robinhood app, at, op, Robinhood app, and load up on Boeing puts. Would that be considered insider trading? So this guy thinks that if he was in the plane the day the, the thing blew off and bought puts because he had that knowledge before people would be insider trading. I don't know, again where these people on Reddit are getting their uh, their market uh, information from. Okay, a couple questions here. Uh, well, first, uh, Easy Mike, you know, mentions, uh, do you have a signal? Okay. Also, I don't know what time, what uh, what time did this happen? Like during the day, were, were the markets even open? Right? I, I don't know exactly. Oh, I don't, think it, I don't think they were. So I thought about that too, thinking about it. I thought this was just like a troll post, a joke. But people in the comments of it, I went to the actual Reddit post where, act, you know, he was like responding to him as if he were being serious. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hope it, I hope for this guy's sake, it's a joke because if he's, you know, if he doesn't, you know, understand, I guess. Uh, what that, good, well, in my last comment on this is what good are those puts? If you're dead, That's the true. only thing that I would be thinking about, I mean, I, I mean, I don't like flying, right? Anyways, and I'm always looking for bad things. You know, I'm just, I don't know, just a scaredy cat. I just don't like, you know, if you're in a car crash, well, you have a decent chance of uh, surviving. If you're in a plane crash, boom. I mean, those people survive. I wouldn't be thinking about buying puts on Boeing. I'd be, uh, I just hope I wasn't the person sitting at the emergency exit because I would have been the first person out the door. So, no, I didn't see this on Reddit. And uh, for those people that did, I just think we wasted 
two minutes that could have been ticker time. All right, let's go to ticker time then, real quick. For let's uh, do a couple. What did we got? Right. Anything in here? Um, so a Chewy got another, uh, got an upgrade of going back to analyst trading higher this morning. So, uh, ticker C H W Y on Chewy. Okay. That, that one's, uh, you know, popular again among the Reddit crowd. Um, you seen anything moving this morning, Joel? Uh, it's up 46 cents. We're off the pre market high. Uh, pre market oh, high. People do want Boeing though. Oh, oh, Boeing. Okay. Well, you went to Chewy there. No, I know. Uh, Boeing, Boeing, Boeing. I am just, just, uh, just, just to be pot, just to be totally honest, man. I get this stock wrong all the time. But the only thing I can say is once this gets going in one direction, it's hard to stop. And you can see the move in August when it peaked at 240, and they had their very, I mean, there were some pops in here. Uh, down to that November low. And then they took off off that November low. Boom, you peaked in December. So, yeah, you could be hoping for a gap fill here. But, you know, the company came out and, like, admitted that, you know, they had a problem and their error. So, I think people are going to be looking to sell in the strength on this one. If you're trying to hold on, you're trying to think, oh, this is no big deal. This is a fix. You know, they'll get it over with. Then you want to see this 223.20 low hold. And that coincides with another daily low you had just above that at 225. So if you're just going to blow this off and think it's nothing, then I think it's important that you that you hold on uh, this level. Coming back on the upside, if you're just looking more short term, well, you made a you made a new high yesterday at thirty, you know, uh, off the low from yesterday's low or the two day low. If you don't get back over two thirty one sixty one in, in a jiffy, I think you're going to be continuing to sell into weakness here in Boeing. All right, just seeing one more. We got one more. Someone asking for Ark A R K K. Is it getting A R K K? Are we are we getting a bounce off this Bitcoin news? Uh, we're still down 36 cents. I got whacked with the market. Uh, this is what I would say about, uh, Kathy here in this ETF. It likes to make a couple lows in the same area. You can see just under 48. Uh, that's uh 47, 41. I'll draw. If you're trying to hold on here and you think, you know, this is, uh, you know, just a, a check back. I'd be keeping a real close eye at this 47.50 area. You're still a buck and a half away from that. Doesn't even look like they will be able to get it to a pair of lows above that at, uh, let's call it 48.12. So there's good support in here as we speak. Uh, coming back on the upside, you're trading down 25 cents. Let's see, yesterday's high, 49.80. I would have to stick with that on a target on the upside. And also, over the next couple days, you can't get back over that 49.80. Then we could be testing uh, that support at the 47.50 area. Well, there you have it, Joel. Give me one more refresh reading of the overall market as we head in open in about 27 minutes, and we'll wrap up for the day. Okay. All right. Um we are down nine and three quarters handles, uh, major resistance at that closing price of 20 and a quarter. So it gets anywhere near that palms out um, on the downside here. If you're looking for a strong day to the downside, you got to take out that low, uh, that pre-market low at 4802.50. Then you'll be looking under 4800. But right now the bulls have made a, a, a stance 
at 48.02.50. No daily lows, daily pivots, nothing there. Uh, so take out the pre-market low. Next target would be the Globex low from yesterday at 47.86. Coming back on the upside, not only for the S&Ps, but keep an eye on your closing price from yesterday after a down open at 48.20 and a quarter. Well, there you have it. Thank you for joining Benzinga's pre-market prep. Of course, Blue Putnam, shout out Blue, always coming on. Always great to have him on on a CPI day. Uh, that number came in slightly hotter than expected. Market moving slightly lower today. All right, Joel, we'll be back tomorrow. Who is our guest? We're going to get a look from the floor, even though he may be at home, from Jonathan Corpina. He's a managing partner at Meridian Equity Partners. And, uh, He'll talk to us a little bit about what the institutions are doing here up at these elevated levels. Got it. Well, make sure to tune in with us again tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern. Be there or be square.